Welcome into Off the Record alongside Kirsten Kroll. I'm Alexis Downey. We're so happy that you joined us and we've got a lot to talk about. It's a busy week in the NFL with it being draft week. The NHL is getting closer and closer to playoffs and certainly a lot of other things going on in the sports world. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I am on my second energy drink. I just got back from the gym, doused my hair in dry shampoo, kind of buzzing off the walls right now all over the place, but I'm really excited to be here for another week, another episode with you, and excited to talk about the NFL draft coming up this week. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, had a pretty good morning myself getting my second vaccine, so fully vaccinated, ready for the summer, and um, I'm really excited, you know, that we're moving forward, hopefully towards things opening up again. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. And it's it's been awesome. I had my second vaccine about two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago now. I got hit like a train after the second one for a few hours, but totally worth it. I feel like a, a weight's been lifted off now, knowing that that's done and hopefully don't get any sickness anytime soon. Everyone in my family is vaccinated now as well. So that is seeing kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm feeling very fortunate to also have had my two shots in. And Alexis, I'm hoping you don't have any immune response to yours. I mean, I hope that you do in the sense that it, you know it worked, but you know, even if you do just a few hours, drink a lot of water, pop a vitamin. I've got my water here. I've been drinking it all day. <laughs> Good move. <laughs> Well, let's, you know, really just jump right in. NFL draft Thursday night, first round, next second and third round on Friday, and then the following four through seven on Saturday. It's such a big week for college football players. You know, they've worked so hard to get to this point. All of their dreams are on the line. Will they get their name called? The draft is taking place in Cleveland, Ohio this year, um, which is also the home of the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just pretty cool that they're kind of doing that together. Um, but obviously, first name off the board, everyone's expecting to hear it, you know, to the Jacksonville Jaguars is probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, he just got married, I also saw on social media. So pretty busy time for Trevor Lawrence. Very busy time. I saw that too, what was it, two weeks ago he got married? So talk about it what a month for this kid right here you graduate well he hasn't graduated yet but he gets married he's in the nfl draft he'll be graduating college in like two weeks so lots of big events happening in his life right now yeah and i'm really curious to see how assuming he does get taken first you know how he gels with the jaguars obviously a team that struggles as of the past couple years and I don't know when the last time they were even, you know, in the playoffs or even a shot at the Super Bowl. So getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure is really exciting for fans. I kind of almost equate it to when the Buccaneers got Tom Brady, that excitement and that buzz because the QB really is the center of the team. So if, you know, he, he does end up going to the Jaguars and then from there, just seeing how the team excels and all of that. I would be shocked after the past year, everything that we've heard about Trevor Lawrence, arguably, no, I don't want to say the past two years. I think that's going back a little too far, but it's been a long time. We've been focusing on Trevor Lawrence and 
his natural abilities and the way he can read defenses and everyone has been talking for over a year about how he's a once in a generation quarterback. So I would be shocked if Jacksonville didn't take him first. I think that's been the assumption everyone's had. Urban Meyer head coach of the Jaguars. Now he was at Trevor Lawrence's pro day, a lot of focus when that was happening. So I, again, I would just be shocked if he was not taken first and something too, just continuing the talk on Trevor Lawrence, something that I really like about him is just his demeanor. I don't remember which article it was, so I can't cite it, but you could Google it, I'm sure, and find it right away. But he recently did an interview where somebody asked him what expectations he has. Does he feel a lot of pressure? What's going through his mind in his draft? Or does he feel like he has to prove himself? And he said, no, like this is what he wanted. He wanted to play in the NFL and he didn't say exactly that everything from here on out was a bonus. But that was pretty much what was implied. So that's not something you hear a lot from quarterbacks, too, that they just don't feel the like expectations. But coming from him, I kind of liked that because there's nothing but expectations surrounding him. Yeah, you know, he's always seemed just like an overall great guy. So exciting for the Jaguars. And if you're the Jets with the number two pick, you know, they also are in need kind of of a quarterback situation. Um, so potentially could see BYU quarterback Zach Wilson going at two. But also there is talk, you know, who's going to be the first non-quarterback off that, that list? likely it is going to be Florida's Kyle Pitts. He's a tight end. He is outstanding. His size at tight end is something that kind of sets him apart. 6'6", 240 pounds, just a guy that can get open and like having that reach being so tall, you know, that that's something that's going to help him and his athleticism. So another guy that's going to be taken high up on the charts. And then obviously you look at wide receivers and running backs, like who will be the first on that end. And there's a lot of really good wide receivers in this draft as well. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where the line is when teams start, you know, picking up on quarterback or off quarterbacks and on to other positions and even O linemen. That's another position that I know some teams are going to be looking out for as well. Um, Northwestern's Rashawn Slater, he's the top O lineman in this draft, very likely. So a lot of different guys, hopeful, you know, if they don't hear it that first round on Thursday, second round on Friday night. Um, but I can tell you as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm pretty excited to see what we do in this draft because there's been so much off season buzz, but Kirsten, I'm going to kind of flip this on you. What are you kind of hoping to see from the Vikings? Um, I know they have the number 14 pick in the first round. It's going to be interesting. And there's been a lot of speculation as well around the last two weeks, people asking coach Zimmer and other people part of the organization are they going to move up in the draft and it, people don't like to give away their strategy beforehand but it seems from what I'm hearing and from some reporters that I follow on Twitter it seems potentially like the Vikings could possibly try to trade up in the draft now when you look at what they do have You've got Justin Jefferson, a standout wide receiver. He's only going into his second season. So you're kind of good there in the first round when you look at that position. You've got your quarterback and Kirk Cousins. I know there's a lot of 
things people love to say about him, but when you look at the stats, he truly is a top 10 quarterback in the league right now, arguably top five. People are, might come for me for that. Big, so I'm, big take there. <laughs> it is, but when you look at his stats, you can make an argument for it, and that's a whole conversation for another time, but you guys let me know what you think, and if you want, I can defend myself next week. <laughs> and if you look at running back too, you're solid there, so honestly, I think what the Vikings need is to fill voids on their defense. They struggled defensively last season, and so fill voids there, and you know, I, I don't know exactly what is considered appropriate to draft um, defensive players. If it's could be in the number 14 spot, I don't know what people would consider appropriate, but I think that is their biggest need they need to fill in this draft. Well, that's certainly interesting because I've seen where the Vikings could potentially go after a quarterback because, you know, there might be some inconsistency with Kirk Cousins. And as Michigan State alumni, I love Kirk Cousins. I wish him all the best and hope that, you know, Vikings fans, if they don't like him, they turn around and he has a great season. But I know he has a lot of money in his contract, so they are expecting to get a lot from him. Um, and then I guess I kind of mentioned earlier on the Pittsburgh side, uh, our line, O-line, something that I'm expecting to see probably in the draft, we, we need to fill those gaps. And then also in the running back position, another place that, you know, James Conner just signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And we just haven't had a standout guy there. So I think trying to fill that as well is going to be something that Pittsburgh could potentially do. They have the number 24 pick in the first round. Obviously, we have a lot more picks as well. But in that first round, be curious to see what they do but transitioning to a little bit more of the ice side uh, national hockey league getting to that push for the playoffs kirsten i know you have a lot to be excited about up in minnesota with your team um but you know there's all these teams right now trying to clinch their playoff spots specifically there's only been four teams so far you know in the west the Vegas Golden Knights, Minnesota Wild, Colorado Avalanche, and then in the um, Central Division, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, a lot of names to keep track of, but an exciting time for you in the West and the Wild are looking really great heading into the playoffs. Yes, they are, and not to mention as well, I don't know if I can appropriately say fully healthy, because there may be one guy who might still be out due to an injury, but nothing serious. They've got a healthy roster. We've got Marcus Foligno back, Nick Bugstead back. They've got an incredible goaltending tandem this season with Capo Kakinen and Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot recently named NHL Star of the Week. And, uh, you know, things are looking really great for them not to be biased as they head into the postseason now. Like you mentioned, Alexis, they just clinched. Currently, as of today, placed third in the West, right behind Vegas, then Colorado, who have also already clinched. And in that division, that final spot is up for grabs. And when you look at the points, it's between the Blues or Coyotes. And right now, the Coyotes aren't looking too great, and it's going to be tough as well for the Blues because they've got five games left this season against the Wild. So you're talking about the third ring, third best team in the division that they've got to face five more times this season. Now, it's it's gonna be tough. It's still gonna be, the Wilders still gonna have to compete there. 
but they also got embarrassed by the Blues a few games back. So, I mean, the Blues still have a chance. They're going up against a good team in those five games being wild, but that could potentially help them too down the stretch. And also got to throw in hashtag Kirill for Calder. Happy belated birthday, Kirill. We're happy to have him on the squad and especially come the postseason. He's been phenomenal. Most goals by a rookie in franchise history. Best player, arguably, as of right now, he's on pace to be the best wild player we've ever had. Now, this segment about NHL playoffs has just turned into me talking about the wild. So I'll back off a little bit, but the West has been fun to watch this season. I do have to ask, okay, so with Kirill being in the Calder conversation, the front runner right now, Jason Robertson with the Stars, are you worried? Do you think he I'm can not reach- worried, and to be honest, I don't know where this debate came from because to be honest no one talked about him until what two weeks ago now all of a sudden people are thinking he can compete with what Kirill Kaprizov has done this season I don't understand it doesn't correlate to me I just think people don't want the wild to be happy it doesn't make sense how can you even put it up for debate and then all of the haters too are coming out of the woodwork saying He's not an NHL rookie, like he played in the KHL. He's a man, he's not a rookie. He's a rookie. The award is for an NHL rookie. Now, when you look back in past years, there have been guys from the KHL who have won Calder Cup or Calder Trophy, excuse me. I'm getting all sorts of worked up. But there have been other guys from the KHL to come and win the Calder. And now all of a sudden, everyone and their mom has an issue with it. And it's making me have an issue with everyone else. Kirill deserves the Calder. And now I really need to digress. (laughs) I didn't mean to bring up that much of a sore subject, but I think that Kirill will win the award. I think another thing that really helps him is that, you know, the Wild are on a hot streak. They already have clinched a playoff spot, whereas the Stars kind of in in the battle to hopefully get in at that number four spot. They're on the border. So, you know, Kirill having the opportunity to play in the postseason already knowing that that's going to happen will definitely help him. Um, but I can tell you in the East Division, another division that's, you know, been talked about so much this season and how tough it is. Pittsburgh Penguins, as of this afternoon, it's Tuesday afternoon, could clinch a spot if they beat the Bruins tonight and if the Sabres beat the Rangers in regulation couple other teams also to keep in mind, Panthers, if they beat the Predators tonight, they will clinch. The Lightning, if they beat the Blackhawks tonight, both of those teams being in the Central Division. But it's it's exciting. I'm super excited to see this um, postseason for the NHL. And, you know, how are all the teams going to, you know, push through because it's been such a different year and with these different divisions, it's going to make these playoffs so intense and normally the NHL playoffs are super intense but I think this year especially having played all of these teams I think it's eight times throughout the season and then going and playing them again in the postseason just makes things even more heated up. I was just gonna say too going off of that every division each team has only played the teams within their division this season so it's really going to be interesting as the playoffs get started and heat up how these teams are going to fare when they're playing against teams they have not seen once this year. So I think as of right now, we know our teams that are on hot streaks who have been doing well within their respective divisions, but I think we're really going to see how tough and how well-equipped 
all of these teams in question are when let's say, for example, I'm just going to throw out a random scenario, the wild face off against the Carolina hurricanes. If that were to happen, I, I don't know, two really great teams. So it's going to be interesting and I'm excited for it. Absolutely. And another thing to note is that this year is going to be the last season that we see the Stanley Cup playoffs and Stanley Cup final on NBC. The NHL has new partners in ESPN in Turner Sports with TNT. So things are really going to change over the next year um, in terms of the TV side and where you can watch your favorite teams and NHL TV will not be a thing anymore. You know, ESPN plus is probably going to be the one to host all those games. So I think on that sense, it's going to be good. Hopefully I'm hoping for the NHL to get a little bit more FaceTime. Um, but I will say there's a lot of people on the NBC side that I enjoy watching in their nightly shows, whether it's in the booth or hosting in the studio. So another big change on the way after this season. It's going to be weird. I'm going to be honest. I think when all of the regional Fox sports networks recently switched to Valley sports, that's even been a weird adjustment for me. So to turn on my TV, not get to see primetime games on NBCSN, it's going to be different and not hearing potentially the regular voices that we grew up with who have been covering the games. It's going to be a little different, but lots of changes underway and a lot of also possible updates that'll be coming your way next week. We'll keep you posted here at Off the Record with all of the teams clinching in the postseason, but we're going to head out for a quick break. But when we come back, we have your favorite segment, so stay with us. Welcome back to Off the Record. We've made it to our segment on or off. One of us will say something. The other will say what we agree with it, meaning on or disagree with it, meaning off. First up, Kirsten, Simone Biles leaving sponsorship with Nike to join Athleta was a move that is going to have a negative impact. In my opinion, I think this is a great move. So I think this one is off. I think it's only going to be positive moving forward. And it initially came as a little bit of a surprise to hear the news Simone Biles is stepping away from her partnership with Nike. But think about it too, especially her being a woman and being targeted now more towards a female athletic apparel brand. And I don't think they've ever named a big time athlete to a sponsorship. So for her to be the face of that brand, for the brand standpoint, she's gonna drive a lot more business there, but also I think it's great for her personally. And she mentioned that too in a statement she released saying she thinks that Athleta supports her not only as an athlete, but also as a person and her personal goals. So for a female to be driven a little more towards a direct female empowered brand, I think is a great move. And I think we're only gonna see even more of that. And then kind of on a related note, I kind of think a lot of people are starting to step away from Nike because you also heard with Vanessa Bryant ending the partnership with Nike recently, not renewing the contract for the Kobe shoes and Kobe's brand. I think we're just going to see a lot more of that. And then all of these athletes and their estates, they're going to start moving in their own direction and kind of steering away, which is a little bit weird because when you think 
athletic apparel, you think Nike, but I think it's a great move. I would agree with you on that end because I know that I like Athleta. I think their clothes are super comfy. So, and the fact that it is such a female brand, I think is such a positive to see someone like Simone Biles representing them really just gives that impact, not only for the company, but for people who already wear their clothes, like, oh, wow, Simone Biles loves Athleta. I like Athleta now too. So I think it it's a good thing I would agree because it does kind of diversify all of the different brands that people are partnering with. And now talking about another athlete who has a very strong brand, let's talk Steph Curry. Alexis, is it on or off to say that this is the best that Steph Curry has ever been? I would agree that this is on. I think Steph Curry has been the reason that the Warriors are now must watch TV this season. He's had the most threes by any player hit in one month going into their game tonight on Tuesday. 85 threes in one month. That's unbelievable. And he's averaging just under 40 points a game in his last 12 games. Steph Curry has always been a name that, you know, people look for, but now he's becoming a name that's not only in the MVP race this season, but a name that makes young basketball players want to play basketball. He is just lighting up the court day, night in, night out. And I think that, yes, this is the best basketball he's ever played. You know, whether the Warriors are able to make a postseason run and all that, he has won titles already, but this has definitely been his best year. I agree 100% with that. Anytime we're talking about NBA or I'm following along with discussion on the NBA, Steph Curry's name has been in the conversation about how dominant he has performed this year. And he's kind of hard to not pay attention to this year. Again, he is everywhere and he's always been good, but this year he's been great. So I agree. I think this is the best season that he has had thus far. Absolutely. Kind of switching things to something that's been upsetting a lot of people on social media over the past week. Kirsten, the IIHF should reschedule the Women's World Championships immediately. This whole situation is completely unacceptable. You look to, it, it's just such a double standard because a lot of women that were supposed to be competing in this tournament have taken to their social media said they were following the health and safety protocols. They understand health and safety comes first, but a lot of them were getting on buses, getting ready to start their quarantine period. And day of, day before, they're told the whole thing is canceled. So they, this is on. They need to completely figure this out and make it right. They've got a junior championship taking place in Texas. I believe it's next month. Just had a men's championship. I. In Canada, they had a men's championship and it doesn't make sense to me. It's such a double standard because they're completely right. These women, when they said, if this were the men's championship, it would have been figured out immediately and they would have had plans already in place to either move it to a different location or had those rescheduled dates already prepared. And the IIHF just said it's canceled and now they're getting bashed or whatever and i don't even know what my words i'm trying to say for this are <laughs> but they're getting negative feedback on this from 
any hockey fan everywhere. This is incredibly disappointing. They need to figure it out. They need to get alternative dates immediately. These women deserve to compete. I would agree with you on that end. And it almost makes you wonder whether part of the decision came from like a financial standpoint. Maybe the IIHF didn't see, unfortunately, like the, the value in having the tournament, like it could be a financial loss. But regardless, so much of sports this year is either gonna break even or be a financial loss because of the pandemic that we're in. I think it should absolutely be rescheduled. I feel so bad for all these women hockey players that want to compete. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things too, like we just saw the Dream Gap Tour and all of the great impact that it had and all the young girls and young boys that were watching. Um, so. I I think that having another big event like this follow up to it is certainly a positive and something that I would agree definitely needs to be played. Agreed. And uh, piggybacking a little bit on the point you just made, there was all this forward momentum in women's hockey. We continue to see the sport of women's hockey continue to grow. And so the cancellation of this tournament is just really upsetting and crushing to women's hockey, to be quite frank. And now switching to another topic of conversation, Alexis, on or off that the Diamondbacks' Madison Bumgarner did not throw a no-hitter because it was only seven innings. Okay, so I'm here to say it is off. I understand in the rule book, it has to be nine or more innings to be a no-hitter. But as a pitcher, it is so hard to do that. So hard. The fact that he made it through seven innings and everything that he was doing was working could say that maybe it would have continued to work for two more innings um i i think it it is a version of a no hitter whether it's going to go down in the history books or not um i think it's it's so impressive and something that's so hard to do we've actually seen a few no hitters this season already which is very impressive here in chicago the white Sox were super pumped when that happened already um but i i feel for him because you know it, he did so well and it, i'm glad that the team kind of recognized it and they rushed onto the field and you know celebrated around him and he said that it was a little bit more than he kind of wanted but still something to be super proud of regardless of it not counting as an actual no hitter ends with this one my i'm leaning more towards saying this is on that it's not a no hitter granted yes we know how hard it is to have a game where you put up a no hitter as a pitcher and pitching in general so difficult to do and so I think it's a version of it, but in the record book does not go in the same jurisdiction, if that makes sense. I yep. think he potentially could have gone on with the rate he was having to have a nine inning no hitter. But that's also like me saying, well, if I bought a lottery ticket, I could have won the jackpot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You never know. And so it's kind of like giving yourself credit without fully putting in the work. So I think it's a version of it, but at the end of the day, it wasn't the full nine innings. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, I, I feel like this is not the last we're gonna see of it or the last we're gonna hear of this conversation. So something to look out for, I guess the rest of the MLB season and also moving into the future seasons.
welcome back to Off the Record. And it is now time to give our final thoughts before we take off in this week's episode. And I would just like to use this time to say we are only 86 days away from the start of the 2021, however you want to say it, Olympics. It's been postponed a full year. And it's been a long wait, not only for us as fans. I know I'm a huge, huge Olympics watcher and fan, particularly the Summer Olympics. So this is what I wait for. I love the Summer Olympics. And I can't imagine how long of a wait it's been for those athletes too, who it's already hard to prepare for an Olympics in four years, let alone five. Not to mention being a gymnast when you have a very specific time clock and window for when you can compete. And we all know it's a very, very brutal training regimen. Gymnasts especially have to go through. So I can't imagine how hard it's been for them, but 86 days away from the Tokyo Olympics. And I cannot wait. I will say that I'm super excited for it as well. And I really hope that everything goes off smoothly. They're able to get things done correctly with protocols and all that, as well as being able to televise all of it for us to see back in the U.S. Um, But my final thought of the week kind of going back to football. It's been a little controversial this week, but I want to talk about the NFL rule changes. There's been quite a few, but one of them now allows certain players to wear different numbers. I think that it's slightly confusing. It's, it's an interesting thing, but I don't think that um, people like change. And that's why a lot has, this is being talked about so much. So I'm glad that they're not allowing O-linemen to wear single digit numbers um, because I think that would be super confusing for quarterbacks and more uh, skill positions. But with the wide receivers and every, everyone else wearing a different number, it's going to be really different I think to watch on TV like I said a little bit confusing just have a few thoughts on that but I'll be interested to see how many players actually do change their number I don't like it (laughs) I don't like it at all and I I don't like change I'm one person who doesn't but this to me why fix something that's not broken I I agree I don't know what players are going to change their numbers. I know there's been a handful that have said stick in with what I've got, not planning to really change their number, but honestly too, like how confusing then you have the whole situation with the numbers on the sleeves and how, for example, on the Bengals, New Jersey's, they don't have the numbers on the sleeves. So when you're covering these games, you're up in a small press box, you need the number identification to tell who's who it just adds all sorts of confusion who does that doesn't need to be there. And now this, granted, like you said, doesn't affect offensive linemen, but still confusing. I I don't like it. It just, to me, is something that didn't even need to be changed, but here we are. Well, let us know on Twitter what your thoughts are about it, because I know a lot of players from the NFL have been expressing their thoughts as well. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Off the Record. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube. Find us where you listen to your podcasts as well. We will be back next week for more on what's happening all around sports and hopefully a better idea of which teams are going to be in the NHL postseason and all of that. So thank you again for joining us. Alongside Kirsten Kroll, I'm Alexis Downey. We'll see you next time.